thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Experiment because I have a meeting to go to, and rather than drag my computer up and down the stairs, gotta be fun to see how it works. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Can you hear me, Bearface? Yeah, but I'm gonna kill the music because it's ruining your voice. I can hear myself. All right. Well, anyway, hey everybody. Much better. Okay. This is me. With bad lighting. Sorry, people. Don't worry, though. I'm not going to be on here long. So, want to welcome everybody to the show. Let's see. I got people here on Periscope. Hi. Hello, people on Periscope. Hey, I wanted to share with you guys uh, something that's not... This isn't really good. Okay, how's that? Um, so, I wanted to share with you that tonight, Randall is going to be teaching a Bible study on how to identify false teachers He's kind of copying me because I've been doing a Jude Bible study before he started his. And the book of Jude is replete with signs and Old Testament biblical history and warnings, even in the New Testament, about false teachers. And so I hope I hope you guys take the time to uh, go ahead and stay for the whole show. And to watch what Randall's going to teach you because he teach he is gifted when it comes to God's word, totally is. Um, but what I want to do here at the top of the show is share with you guys a vision that I have. I shared this earlier today in my daily disciples group. And I want to share with you a couple of things on my screen right now. So first thing is I want to share with you um, my daily disciples Facebook group. If you guys have never been to my daily disciples group i want to show it to you on the screen here because i'm doing this something different so this once you see this you'll know where to go so i'm going to share my screen here i'm going to show you what that group looks like you guys see that no i don't know <laughs> don't see okay well bareface is going to make sure you see it okay so now we're seeing two of me on there really how'd that happen how did you do because that because that's what you're sharing I'm sharing. Really? I thought I was sharing the Daily Disciples group. Uh huh. Now Bareface is trying to do something. Um. Okay. There. All right. Let's do it this way. Okay. Hold on. Bear with us. We're experimenting. Okay. So. You know what? I'm just gonna bring. I'm just gonna bring up. View this way. Let's just do it like that. You want me to stop sharing then? No, fine. You're sharing. Okay. So this is my daily disciples group. You see this up here? If you if you go up here, it says groups forward slash Bible News Radio. That's how you know what group to go into. And of course, it has this cover on it. You can see it. It says daily disciples. And as he said to all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and let him follow me. So what we're doing in this group is I have a list of um, people every day that are signed up to go ahead and read a psalm. Currently, we're going through psalms and um, we're all encouraging each other in God's word. So I have like nine or ten people here that are signed up this week to log in and to get on camera in here and you can see there's that was me from today and and then um that was randall from a couple days ago that was my friend tracy from yesterday 
So there are different people every day who are in our group. That's me. That's Carmen, who are taking time to be in God's word and sharing what God is sharing them. And I'll tell you what, this has been an awesome thing uh, for us. I'm going to stop sharing really quick here because I want to I want to share with you something. So because of this, um, this is just the beginning of something I believe is going to be beneficial and big for building biblical disciples. It's not like people throughout history and churches aren't doing that already, but, you know, God gives everybody a tribe, right? And this, this happens to be part of Bible News Radio tribe. And so if you want to be a part of this, go over to Facebook, ask to join that group, and I'll let you in, okay? The other thing is, is God's laid on my heart, Randall's heart, to do a Bible News Radio conference. So I'm super excited. We're thinking about doing a virtual conference sometime in October um, with some of my former guests who uh, who who are prophecy experts, authors, ex- a former Muslim, former persecuted Christian under socialism, uh, former speechwriter to President Ronald Reagan, um, people like that who I know who who may be willing or able to be able to come and be a part of this Zoom conference, biblical conference. Uh, so uh, please pray for us as I pursue that as something completely new and different than I've ever done. It's been something that's been on my mind for a few years. And I just think now is the time to step out in faith and do it. So I want you guys to know that's something super exciting for me uh, to consider doing that. So um so that's one thing. And then the other thing I want to do is let you know, uh, I'm going to share my screen again. Uh, I want to let you know about this shock report that I just saw uh, regarding COVID-19. It's not really all that shocking, really, if you think about it. But I don't know, Randall, if you're can, able to. We can see it. Okay. I don't know how you did that, but you're so good. I didn't do anything. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so this is from Gateway Pundit. And... I want you to see this. You know, I think this whole COVID con, I think this whole COVID thing is a big con on our country. I think I've said that numerous times. But my friend Melanie sent this to me earlier uh, and from California. She's, she sent this to me. I read it. And I was like, yep, mm-hmm. listen to this. Look at this. This week, the Centers for, for Disease Control quietly updated the COVID-19 numbers. Only 9,210 Americans died from COVID-19 alone. The rest had different other serious illnesses. Listen to this. So get this straight. Based on the recommendation of Drs. Fauci and Burks, the U.S. shut down the entire economy based on 9,000 American deaths to the the China coronavirus. We were first to report that the Director General of the World Health Organization on March 3rd, 2020, Uh, set off of the panic with this highly flawed statement, quote, while many people globally have built up immunity to seasonal flu strains, COVID-19 is a new virus to which no one has immunity. That means more people are susceptible to infection and some will suffer severe disease. Globally, about 3.4% of reported COVID-19 cases have died. By comparison, seasonal flu generally kills far fewer than one per scent of those infected. Hi, Ian. Yes, you know what? I think that uh, COVID-19 is conning the world. I agree. And of course, Donald is in there as always heckling us. But that's okay, Donald. Someday you might see the light. Anyway, it says here, um, it goes on to say here, I'm trying to find it. The Gateway Pundit reported that the coronavirus fatality rate reported by the liberal mainstream media was completely inaccurate and the actual rate more like a typical seasonal flu. The media was lying again. And then it goes on to say, I'm trying to find the right thing here. Where's it? Oh, yeah, here it is. Today, we now have empirical evidence that the WHO, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, were all wrong. They were charlatans. They lied. There's a big shock. Um, the CDC silently updated their numbers this week to show that only 6% of all coronavirus deaths were, were related to the coronavirus alone. 
The rest of the deaths pinned to the China coronavirus are attributed to individuals who had other serious issues going on. Almost, also most of the deaths are related to very old Americans. So, um, and then you can find that. And then it also goes on to say that the coronavirus is actually naturally dying out. So it's just something I thought that I would share with you because it's, it's, it's funny to me that there's nothing consistent with this coronavirus thing. There's just nothing consistent whatsoever. Um, Randall and I, just as an example, like I can tell you a couple of inconsistent things, even here in Tennessee. So in my county, it's saying you don't have to wear masks, but if you cross the line, like literally across the street and go into a different county, then you have to go in. Like I have to go into the gym, wear a mask. I have to wear a mask walking down a hall, but then I can go in the gymnasium and play pickleball without a mask and hang out with my friends without masks. But if I'm walking down the hall, I got to wear a mask. Uh, we went into a restaurant today to, to get some lunch after church. And when we went in, the door said, you can't come in without a mask. So me and Randall, well, Randall went to the car, got some masks. We put the, the masks on. We walk in there. Almost everybody in there is eating at a table with no mask. Well, because tables magically stop the virus. You know, if you're right. sitting at a table, then there's a... The people serving us, though, all had masks on. And I asked the girl, I said, is this really necessary? Do I have to wear the mask here? And she's like, no. And I'm like, then, then part of me want to say, what the heck? Why have this on? Why is this on the door? You know? And then one of the other things that drives me crazy is that if you, if you go through the you drive through through our city. All the assisted livings have these big signs out in front that says heroes work here. And I told Rambliss, what a load of crap that heroes work there at all these these assisted livings. For what? For a fake Are you denigrating pandemic? What? Are you denigrating healthcare professionals? No, I'm not, but it's it's like if if this was e Ebola or some things where, you know, you could just breathe and you really get sick and die and the whole world would die. It's, <laughs> it's just stupid. It's like the marketing of stupidity, really, um, in my mind. But anyway. Yeah, it's so like, why not any other time in history? So do you want to address our upcoming conference, what you think of it, the vision the vision so put it out there and see what happens. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good idea that uh, you know we talked about having an uh, in person gathering before. Uh, trying to figure out where that would be centrally located to the majority of our tribe, viewers, listeners. Um, but uh, you know, with this with this uh, pandemic and pandemia that you know virtual conferences are the thing and kind of the necessity now since it's inconsistent throughout all of the United States you can go to a city where the restaurants are open but the hotels are closed you know you can go where maybe the hotels are open the conference centers are not and uh, it, you know so it's it's near impossible to put on an in-person event anywhere so uh so no better time like the present to do an online conference and seeing how many people have done that. Um, you know, we're going to go for it prayerfully, uh, mm -hmm. see how the Lord leads through it. But, you know, if he shuts it down, we won't do it. But, you know, I think it would be a great way. No one has to travel and a great way to en encourage people in the faith and in the word and, and as we've been reading in Jude, to contend earnestly for the faith. Right. And we have, I mean, I have 16 years of guests that I've had. And the people that came right to my mind, I think, all have a, a, a daily, I think they have a timely message they can bring. And it would be an atmosphere where we would have to limit it to 100 people, maybe a couple more, depending on, on the, um, you know, on the, on the response. But we can also do everything in Zoom, go into breakout rooms. You'd be able to have fellowship with other believers um, and all of that. And we'll do it for a relatively decent cost that won't break it, break the bank at all. Um, you know, so keep that in mind. Pray for that. 
Um, and Bearface, I'm gonna hand this off to you and yeah. um, and get you into the Book of Jude, and then I'm gonna pop off here when I have my my next meeting. Okay. All right. Uh, should I mute you in the meantime, or? Mm. Nah. If you want to pipe up. I can mute myself. All right. I'll do that. But I'm going to um, minimize a few windows here. Yeah, I am. So I can see what I'm doing, get to my notes and all that sort of thing. All right. And my notes will be back over here. Shutting that down. All right. We've been in this book of Jude, this little epistle before the right before the book of the Revelation. And it's been a very good book, timely book. Uh, it was timely when it was written, and it gets more timely all the time. More timely all the time? Yeah. As we continue to see a, you know, a, a departure uh, from the faith, from the Orthodox Christian faith. I don't mean the Orthodox, whatever, Eastern Church or whatever, just you know, biblical Christianity. We see a departure from that more and more as time goes on. And so Jude warns the readers to contend earnestly for the faith. And we talked about how the contend is like a professional athletic competition, a contest. Just contend for the faith. It's in the same way that a professionally, professional athlete trains for a competition, uh, whether it's a baseball player for the World Series or, you know, a, an Olympic athlete you know, Olympian training for the Olympic Games or whatever. That's the kind of way, that's the word there. Uh, it's where the root, where we get our English word agonize. It's that, you know, blood, sweat, and tears kind of uh, preparation, contend earnestly for the faith. And he says, why? Because certain people have crept into the church, um, have crept into the fellowship of believers and begins to talk about them. So before we return to the scriptures, let's get, let's prepare ourselves uh, prayerfully uh, to see how the Lord invite him into our time together to see how he uh, will lead us. Father God, you are the awesome God, worthy of all glory, all honor, all power, all blessing and praise. The kingdom belongs to you. And, Lord, our very breath belongs to you. Um, by your grace, uh, we are here. By your mercy, uh, we live and have opportunity to enter into your presence. Um, we are thankful for this, thy word, which you have preserved throughout the ages and, and faithfully sought translated into our own native languages. Uh, that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, we pray that you would use this time, as you will, for our good, your glory. Uh, for we ask it in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right, we are in Jude chapter 1. Yeah, we are. And um, we've made it through uh, verse 11. Um, Got to fix my screen capture here. There we go. And let's do a smooth transition, shall we? Mr. Smooth. So, uh, Yehuda, Judah, Jude, um, he's writing to true believers, those who are called, loved in God the Father. Uh, mercy and shalom, peace be with you. And, uh, Tell them to contend for the faith, contend earnestly for the faith, that agonizing. Uh, why? Because certain people have secretly slept, secretly slipped in. Say that. I just did. For certain people have secretly slipped in. We talked about that's how these folks operate. They don't come with a billboard and say, hey, we're going to lead half the congregation astray, and that's what we're here to do. Uh, you know, with false teaching and our own self-seeking motives, and because we want to be celebrities and that kind of thing. No, it's it's they 
creep in, they sneak in, and it's it's incremental and a, a little off course, a little off here until they swept people away. Um, you know, it's like communism. Uh, you know, the communists never come to power saying, "Hey, we're going to set up basically a crime syndicate in which there are a few ruling people." And we'll pay some henchmen really well to enforce our will by threat of death. And, uh, you know, through threat of, you know, death, dismemberment, and, and imprisonment. You know, the, they come in saying, no, you know, we're going to end class warfare. You know, this, this, you know, the pitting the rich against the poor. We're going to eliminate all that and put everybody on equally ground so everybody's equally wealthy and prospering and, and uh, we're going to have a government that makes sure that everybody gets health care. Everybody gets the free college right. Everybody gets this. Every, everybody gets a new car. And we're going to hold all things in common as one big social group. And, and you know, that's the, way it's, that's the way it's advertised. That's the way it's played. And eventually, well, that kind of happens. Everybody's on the same level playing field. Everybody's poor. They do eliminate uh, the classes. Everybody's equally poor. We've got six a family of six sharing the toothbrush. I'm not making that up. I know people that came out of Ukraine, and we had. Uh, uh, come on, uh, Virginia, <laughs> um, Virginia Prodan lately, just on the show, uh, just this weekend, uh, coming out of uh, Romania and uh, dealing with communism there, her imprisonment and torture and stuff like that. I mean, not making this stuff up. I mean, that's the way it goes down. Anyway, and it's this isn't a political show, but you know that's how you can search the world over in history. Uh, that's the way communism always comes to power. They don't announce that they're going to set up, uh, you know, a crime syndicate and call it the legitimate government. Uh, that rules with an iron fist, you know, it's promising all these good things and it's incremental and then then it's too late. People go along with it. It's the same way these folks that secretly slip in uh, to the congregation, um, you know, saying all sorts of good things and incrementally what happens, and Jude reminded us with some examples from Scripture, what happens when people are led astray um, they take large swaths of the people, whether it's whether it's a whole generation that died in the wilderness uh, because they were led astray by false teachers, whether it's a third of the angelic hosts who were swept away with bad uh, leadership and ended up in a, a cataclysmic flood destroying life on earth, or whether it was Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, that grew so... Um, uh, perverse that it was destroyed with brimstone and fire that you know this is the this is the end game this is the outcome of these false teachers then he uh, in verse in verse 8 7 and 8 beginning there he kind of talked about their character and then in verse 11 we looked at um, you know well those verses the character kind of what uh, sort of what, uh, you know, describes their behavior a little bit. And then verse 11 talked about their motivation. Uh, we talked about they went the way of Cain, wanting worship my way and what feels comfortable for me. They were consumed for pay and, and Balaam's error that uh, that when the, when the money got to be too good to turn down, then they turned away from God's will. And uh, last week we looked at Korah's rebellion, how they, you know, it was all about the the, the position. Uh, they set themselves up as rivals against God's established leadership, not because they had a better way, because they wanted to say, hey, we're just as good, and these people are just as good, and, um, you know, we should be leaders, and glory to us, and this self-seeking, you know, uh, rivalry, and what it ended up with, and, and the in uh, in the case of Korah's rebellion, uh, thousands of people got swallowed up by the earth, and there was a a, a subsequent plague that took like fourteen thousand people. Anyway, so begin verse twelve. Uh, Jude gives us a little bit of information how to ID these folks. We we've looked at 
what the what the result is of not contending the faith of let him go their way the the death and the destruction that follows uh we looked at uh, what um kind of the inner workings um uh you know their their attitudes about things and, and teachings about things and, and their appetites and then we looked at what what sort of motives they had what what drew them what uh, drew them away and now uh, Jude is going to give us some ways to uh, look at their um, what I've been signed out of my uh, notes here so I need to sign back in, people. Back in. All right. So, going back to uh, verse 12. Here we Jude tells us that these people are hidden rocky reefs at your love feast, shamelessly feasting with you. What does it mean, they're hidden rocky reefs at your love feast, shamelessly feasting uh, with you? Well, first of all, let's look at, consider the, the context that uh, in your love feasts, uh, well, what is a love feast? Uh, here in the uh, book of Jude, in the Greek, there's a single word there, uh, agapais, which is um, dative plural of the noun agape, which of course is that selfless love. It's, well, the love of God that originates with God. Agape love is that uh, selfless love. It's not self-seeking. Well, read <laughs> read First Corinthians chapter 13. There's a great definition of that the old king james's charity um uh because that was old english and modern english translations say love but the greek word there is agape but love is patient love is kind love is not self-seeking is not boastful etc and you can read about what that god uh, breed that god originated love is like that reflection of god that god is love and those who are in the Lord, uh, who are followers of Messiah, uh, have been given that love and share that love. So, there's this single word, Greek word, uh, agapais, the dative plural of agape, and it occurs only once in the New Testament here in the book of Jude. But from what we know of first century church life, and especially what follows, uh, Jude goes on to say, shamelessly feasting with you, um, that he's talking about uh, intimate Christian fellowship, was, which was uh, often characterized by breaking bread, and it's still that way uh, today. Not just the Lord's Supper, uh, you know, the, the Passover meal that uh, Yeshua gave new meaning to, um, but... Uh, you know, just um, genuine, uh, vulnerable, intimate Christian fellowship. In the Middle East, breaking bread is a is a big thing, uh, especially in the first century. I mean, sharing a meal with someone was a big deal. And so, uh, when Jude is talking about their hidden rocky reefs in your love feast, your agapais, agapais, and that, uh, you know, they're shamelessly feasting with you. It's they're in the fellowship. They're in that close fellowship. Um, but they're in that close fellowship as hidden rocky reefs. Well, what does that mean? Well, a safe harbor for ships isn't anywhere along a coastline. Just anywhere. Hey, let's set up harbor here. Uh, but it's an area of a coastline where a ship's hole, you know, below the water will not run aground, either on the sand or, worse yet, some rocks where it'll break up. There's a deep water place near the coastline where, you know, ships can come close to the shore. They'll put a causeway out there. Sometimes, if you've ever been one of these Caribbean cruises, I have not, 
just in the Pacific, the on the uh, Baja, Mexico cruise. But um, I understand uh, some of these island uh, destinations, the ship will anchor offshore and they'll um, uh, send boats, you know, shuttle boats to and from the ship to take them to shore. Why? Because that big ocean liner, its hole is too deep. There's nowhere along the shore of that island, either because of sand or rocks or whatever, that it can't get close to the shore. So hidden rocky reefs are the worst. It's one thing when you see rocks, you know, you've probably been down to the ocean maybe or seen photos anyway. I remember climbing on uh, rocks down in uh, Laguna Beach, California. I've still got a scar on the back of my heel from slipping <laughs> on those rocks and cutting cutting the back of my foot open. Uh, but, um, you know, I was aware of those rocks, climbing on those reefs. But when they're hidden, when they're below the uh, water, that's they pose a danger. And so these, these folks are like hidden rocky reefs in your love feasts. Uh, in the fellowship, that um, they don't appear to be, hey, we're jagged, dangerous, rocky, rocky reefs. We're, you know, below the radar. But he tells us that they're shamelessly feasting with you, tending only to themselves. And so as these folks are in fellowship with you, you know, you can look out for the behavior you know, the love feast, agape love, is the selfless, other-focused love. And they may, you know, they're there just to recruit people, basically, uh, after their way to lead them astray. And it's going to be a self-serving thing. They may promise things or whatever, but watch their behavior. They're tending only to themselves. If... If, you know, they sit down for a meal, they're breaking bread with believers and never really offer anything, they may ask all about you, you know, get get your life history and vulnerabilities, whatever. But if they never offer anything, in the end, they're tending only to themselves. Uh, you know, they're, they're not there to minister, not to practice agape love then chances are they're not really uh, a follower of Christ, uh, that they are there uh, as infiltrators uh, and spies. You know, they're, they're endearing themselves to unwitting believers, only to use them for their own ends. And that is why Jude is telling the readers, contend earnestly for the faith, because you'll recognize that. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 15, Yeshua said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Uh, they'll look the part, they may talk the part, but they certainly won't be walking the part. They may talk the talk, they may, have Christ they may speak Christianese fluently, but they're not walking the walk. Watch, watch how they operate in the fellowship. Paul, similar to Jude, warned the elders uh, of the Ephesian church at Ephesus and surrounding churches that came and met him. Uh, while he was a Roman prisoner, they gave him leave to go meet with uh, people from who had gathered at Ephesus, and he met with the elders on the shore of Miletus uh, there, Asia Minor. Anyway, Acts chapter 20, I'd like to read verses 28 through 30 to you. He says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and all and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves and that's the key thing <clears throat> are they is, are the people encouraging you in a relationship with christ or are they drawing away disciples after themselves you know the lord said matthew chapter 28 you know to his apostles and them for teach everything they've been taught which by extension is to us 
is goe into all the world, and go there is in the aorist tense. That means it's assumed that you will have gone. The imperative is make disciples. Having gone, since you're going to go and you will have gone to the world, make disciples. That's, that's the great commission. Not just the going, that's assumed uh, in the Greek language. It's make disciples. That is the great commission. Uh, not to make converts, not to grow a megachurch, not to you know, publish books or whatever. Um, not those things are bad, those aren't the end. The, the, those ought to be the means to make disciples, disciples of Messiah, disciples of Christ. And these wolves come in, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves, to make them disciples of them. And um, Paul, speaking to the Corinthian church, you know, got really upset about that. He says, you know, some say if I'm Apollos, some say if I'm of Kepha, some say. And he's like, who are these people? And who is Paul? You know, I'm just, by people who just brought the gospel to you. You know, you are of Christ. Don't, don't identify yourselves. Oh, I go to pastor such and such's church. Well, if it's his church, you know, if he's, he's the... You know, if he's the head of that church, then something's wrong. Christ is the head of the church. And we ought to be becoming disciples of Christ, of Messiah. And so these these wolves are going to draw away disciples after themselves. You know, watch watch what they're doing. You know, are they making disciples of Messiah or are they stealing stealing sheep? Uh, getting disciples for themselves to make their own disciples, disciples of them. So they're, these people are hidden rocky reefs at your love feast, tending only to themselves. They are waterless clouds carried by the winds. Um, what does it mean that they are waterless clouds carried by the wind? Well, in an agri agricultural economy, I can uh, I can speak, and I'm looking for. I thought it'd be good to watch the Periscope broadcast. And Stace is not here doing that. Make sure that I uh, don't miss uh, comments popping out to Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. See what's going on, because you know I tend to get. Um, whatever, preoccupied, looking at the scriptures, looking at my notes. And... All right, there are waterless clouds carried by the winds. In an agri agricultural, <laughs> stump on it again, agricultural, 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 agricultural. All right, in an agricultural economy, uh, without, you know, regular irrigation, without irrigation systems, as was very common in the first century and you know up until you know uh, many centuries um, later uh, rain is a necessity and so and so if your soil and your crops begin to dry out the appearance of clouds on the horizon is a welcome thing um, very welcome occurrence so, if the, you know, it's like, wow, you know, the ground is parched, the crops are drying out, you know, we need rain. And then the clouds gather and they come over and they cast a shadow and then they just blow away. Uh, the farmers are left wanting and perplexed. Uh, you know, like, gosh, we needed some rain. What happened? And throughout the scriptures... The spiritual nourishment of God is likened to water. Uh, Yeshua told the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Of course, he was talking about the his indwelling in, in a person, not actual water gushing out of our inner being, 
In, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul admonishes husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. He says, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water, the washing of water by the word. You know, the word of God is, is akin to washing of water. And there are so many other places in scripture, the major prophets, minor prophets, where the, the rain is, is compared to the spiritual blessing and nourishment of God. That just as the plants need water, you know, we um, uh, need that nourishment of spiritual nourishment of, of the water of the word, the nourishment of God. But these false teachers are like waterless clouds, just like, you know, an example, you're the farmer, grounds drying out, crops drying out, ooh, clouds gathering. Oh, they're coming over, and then there's they catch a shadow, and then, and the wind blows them away, and you're like, "What the what? What was what was that all about?" You know, it looked like rain, but we didn't get any rain. And so the false teachers are like waterless clouds. They come with an appearance that they're going to supply some spiritual nourishment, but then you know they make a great show. They might stir up a lot of emotion. You know, ooh, you know, good storms are coming. But then they, when they blow past with some new wind of doctrine, uh, the flock is still left thirsty and spiritually malnourished. You know, their, their audience may become more devoted fans of them, uh, you know, in their showmanship, uh, but the relationship with the people's relationship with God and, and with his Messiah is not improved at all. And so these false teachers like waterless clouds, just like coming over. They, it looks like they're going to produce something. It looks like they're promising, you know, come for an encounter or whatever, uh, whether it be, whether it be a small group Bible study or be it, you know, uh, uh, you know, some big procession in a convention hall uh, we have all these speakers and miracles are going to happen and whatever. And it's like, oh, you know, and I'm not bagging every, every spiritual convention. There are some good things that happen out there, but this is how to ID them. If, if they're like those waterless clouds that come over and it's like, wow, that, that was an experience. That wasn't, wow, what, what great music. Oh, wasn't that an inspirational speaker? Who wasn't that a... How's your relationship with the Lord? Is it any better? Was there any really spiritual fulfillment or was it just an emotional encounter? Um, you know, the, the false teachers like waterless clouds. It looks like they're going to come and produce something. Uh, they even talk about the rain. And it's coming down in spiritual blessing, but, but ultimately, you know, like the water, they don't, they don't satisfy the thirst. You know, Yeshua said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In him, that's the only place that hunger and thirst can be filled. And and so, you know, some may promise it, but if after all the hype and the clouds blow away, you're still thirsty you're still malnourished, then, then they're false teachers. They are those ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. Either they've come in from the outside or they've come up from within the ranks. They've been sitting there all along, as Paul said, uh, to draw disciples after themselves. They get followers for them, not make disciples. Back to Jude chapter 1. So these people are, are hidden rocky reefs for your love feasts, are shamelessly feasting with you, tending only to themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, doubly dead, uprooted. Yeah, they are. Fruitless trees in late autumn. Speak of the end times in Matthew chapter 24. 
Uh, Yeshua said, now learn this parable uh, from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Why do you know summer is near? Because the fig tree is starting to bud and put out leaves. And um, Here in uh, Middle Tennessee, as spring comes, many of the trees begin to blossom and put leaves and, and the fruitless trees that we have around our house, worthless trees, <laughs> uh, you know, they'll blossom. Sometimes they'll be the spring of deception, like in, in early March. You know, the the trees will start to blossom and stuff and leaves are, and then, then we'll get this, like, um, sub-freezing weather for a few days. And they're like, what the what? You know, the spring of deception, poor trees. And then, you know, then real spring comes. Or is that followed by mud? I don't remember. The 12 seasons of Middle Tennessee. Anyway, biblical, biblically speaking, um, figs uh, and the fig tree, often representative of Yisrael, uh, gives fruit in the summer. Uh, it starts to bud and put forth leaves as summer is nearing, but then the fruit is ready for picking in the summer. <clears throat> and the Bible's replete with references to figs and other summer fruits that are harvested in the summer and even going into autumn, into into late summer. But if a mature fruit tree has not produced fruit by late autumn, then it ain't going to. Um, Jude says these these folks are fruitless trees in late autumn. Like... Okay, summer's gone, late summer's gone. Not only have we gone into the fall, into the autumn, but we're into late autumn, and these trees are still fruitless. Uh, they are fruitless trees in late autumn. If, if if there's no fruit on the tree by late autumn, late autumn, it it ain't happening. Okay. Um, Yeshua spoke of uh, a parable of a fruitless tree in uh, Luke chapter thirteen. Do I still have that up? No, I don't. Um, how much time we got? We got time. Um, let me pull it up for you because, um, it's, it just, I don't know, it just seems better. Let you know I'm not making this stuff up, but really from scripture. And if I can work my trackball with dexterity, get there. Oh, let's look at the new King James version. Luke chapter 13, pick it up in, uh, in verse, verse 6, parable of the barren fig tree. And of course, again, uh, the Lord is talking about, he's talking about, it's about Yisrael here, especially when it comes to uh, <clears throat> uh, three years and and the and the uh, length of the ministry of Messiah, etc. But that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, the parable of of the barren fig tree, verse six. Here, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he said, but he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well... But if not, after that you can cut it down. So this this groundskeeper, you know, interceding for this tree, the keeper of the vineyard, the um, uh, you know, this man who owns the vineyard, he comes and he's like, <laughs> like three years I've come. This tree has produced nothing. I mean, it's it's what good is a fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit? It's using of the ground. Cut it down. We can use this plot of ground for something else other than this useless tree 
it's like, well, what, no, let alone let let's let's dig around and fertilize it, and let, let, let's just see, you know, if it, it bears fruit. Well, and gosh, I'm so tempted to unpack that and look at how Messiah came the first time, and 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 basically the tree was fruitless. He was rejected nationally on a national level by his own people not by individuals many we wouldn't be talking today if if you know the apostles had not received him and you know early disciples in a church of hundreds we wouldn't be talking now the gospel would not have propagated so it wasn't all all israel all israel all of israel are not israel paul talks about that roman chapter 9 10 11 um I digress. There we see, you know, a, a tree, um, a fruitless tree. There again, a metaphor, and is is not produce anything, and so it's it's worthless. Cut it down. Um, so these false teachers, false prophets, deceitful workers, all are, they produce no fruit. They're like a fruitless tree in late autumn. It, it's like if they haven't borne fruit by late autumn, they're not going to. It's not because they're simply immature. If a new, a new believer, you know, a new believer is is not mature. And so, you know, the fruit they produce is they grow in, in the knowledge and, and grace of the Lord. You know, we produce more fruit. Well, what is fruit? Well, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, again, going back to that definition of agape love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, someone who's dedicated to be a follower of Christ. Stacy showed us so the scripture there on the Daily Disciples Facebook group. You know, picking up your cross daily. Uh, to follow the Lord, denying self and, you know, seeking his will, uh, all sorts of things that are the fruit um, of the spirit and fruit of a life dedicated to Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ. But these false teachers, false prophets, deceitful workers all are like these uh, fruitless trees in late autumn. It's not because they're new believers, it's not because they're carnal Christ Christians. Uh, Jude says they are doubly dead and uprooted. It's not like they're doubly dead. How can it be doubly dead? Um, you know, you're dead or you're dead. But something's dead or it's dead. It's not doubly dead. But I'm reminded of um, Yeshua himself hanging on the cross. He had died. And, um, you know, the, the other two malefactors, well, Yeshua wasn't one himself. He took the place of all of human evildoers, including this one. Uh, you know, they went around, they went and broke those guys' legs so they would die. And they came to break the leg of Yeshua and saw that he was already dead. And it's... Like, well, just to make sure that Roman soldier took the spear and pierced him through. Uh, you know, make sure, make double sure that he was dead. And, yeah, he was dead. As as the, you know, tells us blood and water flowed. So the, you know, the, um, oh, what is it? The, um, uh, anyway. I'm I'm not a cardiologist. There's an area of the heart uh, that would be filled with uh, fluid in the in the case of uh, death by suffocation and and the and so that pierce when the blood and the water came from his heart uh, showed that he was dead indeed. Um, but um, Jude says of these fruitless trees and laid on them that they're doubly dead it's not just that they're it's not that they yeah they've fallen you know the backslid and whatever that's not the reason they're not producing food it's because they're dead 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 they're doubly dead not only doubly dead they are uprooted they have 
no connection whatsoever to spiritual nourishment. They're incapable of producing fruit uh, because they don't belong to Messiah. Um, you know, uh, the Lord in um, John chapter 15 says, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches, you know, keep abiding in me with, you know, without abiding in him. He says, without me, you can do nothing, but in me, you can do all uh, things and that we're to be connected to him. Uh, these these folks aren't connected to Messiah. They're not connected to Yeshua in any way, shape, or form. They're uprooted. They're not just doubly dead. They're uprooted. The, so the reason they're not producing fruit, and much like that, much like that, um, the vineyard keeper was, oh, no, 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 let's just, you know, let's, let's dig around, let's fertilize it, let's, Let's coddle them, and, and maybe maybe this year they'll bear fruit. Um, you need to look at their connections. If if they're doubly dead and uprooted, they're not going to produce fruit. Um, they may look like a fruit tree. Again, they may speak Christianese fluently. They may dress like Christians. Uh, they may talk like Christians, you know, like Christ followers. But you know, look at their connection. Are there any habits of connection? Are they people of prayer are they people of the word are they people of a separated walk i'm borrowing um distinctions of gideon's international which really are distinctions of true believers there are the these seven spiritual objectives of gideon's that really ought to characterize every believer and um like what am i talking about i'm seeing if i've got my ID card in here somewhere and uh, I'm not I'm not seeing it but I should know from from memory that uh, you know people of people of of the word of the word of God people of uh, people of prayer uh, people of a separated walk, people who witness, people who give, uh, let's see, people of the book, uh, people of prayer, separated walk, people who witness, people who share, um, missing two spiritual objectives, come on, this is, this is embarrassing, um, yeah, Give, I said share, give, give, walk, witness, people of the book, prayer, separated walk. Anyway, that's a pretty good start. <laughs> that's a pretty good start. Not just objectives, but, you know, indications, um, identifications of true disciples who are picking up their cross daily. They are people of the word. They, they have a separated walk. Uh, they don't look like the word. The people of prayer. They are people who give. Uh, they are people who give, um, etc. Uh, so these these trees of late autumn, uh, fruitless trees in late autumn, um, doubly uprooted or doubly dead and uprooted. They're they're not going to bear fruit because they are. They look like fruit trees, but they're not connected to messiah they're not corrected connected to the lord um so yeah well what about um not being connected to the lord all right matthew chapter 7 let's go back there earlier looked at uh uh chapter 15 uh, or verse 15 you know, beware of false prophets. That let's look at that again. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look, they're looking like the real thing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? That's a no. Or figs from thistles? Uh, no. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down 
and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So how do you know what's good fruit and what is bad fruit? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells the audience that uh, spiritual maturity coming from knowing in the word and practicing um, practicing what we learn from the word of God, we will have our sensitivities um, you know uh, increased or uh, you know perfected so that we'd be able to discern good from evil. Uh, that's the sign of maturity, especially spiritual maturity is being able to uh, discern good from evil, good from bad. So the way you know what good fruit is and bad fruit is, is by being in the word. Contend earnestly for the faith. When you know the genuine article, it's easy to uh, discern the counterfeit. Notice, Yeshua said you shall know them by their fruit. He didn't say you know them just because their trees are bare, they're fruitless. They're gonna be, there's going to be some kind of fruit. Um... You know, it may the fruit may even look good as a bowl of wax fruit. <laughs> you know, it may look pretty good until you bite into it. Um, how do you know it's bad fruit? You know it's bad fruit when you know good fruit. When you when you're in the Word daily, when you're a daily disciple, when you endeavor to follow the Lord on a daily basis, get to know Him. When you grow in the knowledge and the grace of Messiah, of Christ, then you know what the genuine article is, and you'll be able to recognize what good fruit is and bad fruit is. Contend earnestly for the faith, Jude says, because, because certain people have crept in, secretly crept in, and he's given us, he's tell, told us what happens when they're unchecked, the destruction and death that follows. Uh, he's told us about their how they um, kind of was going on on the inside of them. He talked about what motivates them, and now he's given us some ways to recognize them. And there's there's a few more. <laughs> there's a few more. Uh, wild ways of the sea, wandering stars. Um, but we'll look at those next week, uh, what that's all about. And so I'm going to leave with you only no more than what Jude said. Contend earnestly for the faith. Be a daily disciple. Be in the word. Grow in the grace of, of Christ, of Messiah, that... Um, Know what know what the faith is that that Yeshua Jesus died for our sins uh, that we were hopeless without Him uh, that there is nothing we could do uh, to bridge the gap between our sinfulness God's holiness all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God the gift the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus in Messiah Yeshua and that believing that Christ died for us uh, was buried and rose again the third day proving his divinity as he predicted um, placing our faith in him um, Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus you know, that he is, he is the Lord, the Lord of your life, Lord of the universe. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He didn't just talk a great talk or even walk a great walk, but through divine power was raised from the dead. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of sin. Uh, we deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God. Um, we are being saved from the power of sin as we learn to walk with him, uh, grow 
daily in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We are, we are being saved from the power of sin. And one day when he takes us home, whether he calls us in the air or we uh, check out of this earthly tent, uh, we will ultimately be saved, be delivered from the very presence of sin. So know that. Know that's the genuine faith. Contend earnestly for that faith. Grow in grace and knowledge that you'll be able to recognize these wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, next week, again, we'll talk about the wild ways of the sea and wandering stars. Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you. Give you peace. Shalom. And as your sweet and lovable host always says, be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. He loves you so much. God so loved you that he sent his only son that if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. Go with God, people. Thank you.